welcome to Vismaski Classics podcast, Livinio to Levi. Vismaski Classics is the long distance ski championship with 12 pro tour events and 35 pro teams. Bringing professional and recreational skiers together. We will analyze the events on the tour, portray the legends of the sport and help you to become a better skier. Ladies and gentlemen and all the Visma Ski Classics fans, this is our fourth episode of Visma Ski Classics uh, podcast, Livinio to Levi, and I have a special guest here, Vetle Tuli from Team Café Bruggeriet, and we are here to talk about today's race, Toplach Cotina, 42 kilometers of lots of action drama, as always, and I am your host, Temo Virtanen. So Vetle... Today's race, 42 kilometers, pretty fast, hour and 38 minutes or something like that, you know, for Andreas Nigor, who was the winner. Let's go through the race pretty quickly. Recap it from your perspective. It went uh, fast from the start to the to the end. Vukoyev um, put on a, a high speed, uh, and we were, it was a pretty large group up until the top. Um, and... Uh, Ede Pedersen and Eliasen, Nygård and Gjerdalen uh, tried to chase them. I was in the, the pack of seven guys fighting uh, to close the gap. Uh, we closed the gap to Morten and Gjerdalen. Uh, uh, but uh, the two guys from uh, Rugde, they were too strong. And... Uh, I got a huge crash in the last turn, so yeah, the race ended 200 meters too soon for me. And the women's race was pretty exciting as well, and of course nothing really happened uh, until the big uh, long climb. The sprint finish after that is pretty much what was expected, and then Britta Johansson-Ukraine attacked quite early on on, on a long uh, climb, and only only Kari Vikag and Jadnes was able to, to follow her. Uh, but behind them was a really tight finish all the way to, uh, to the end, and the Russian skier Anastasia Vlasova from Russian winter team was third. That was a bit of a surprise there. But exciting race, um, both with you guys in the, men, the men's race and also in a, in a women's race. But let's talk about the race uh, in more detail and a little bit about life and skiing in general. Sounds good. So, Vetle, let's get started right from the beginning. I mean, it's an interesting kind of a place, correct? I mean, flat part and you have the airfield and you kind of start from there. But walk us through little bit the early parts of the race uh, the first 10 kilometers were really fast the tracks were super fast and uh, also uh, Vukoyev from Russian winter team he just uh, went for it after the start so but I was pretty happy about it because I felt strong I had good skis and also we wanted uh, Stian to get a good sprint uh, on the stadium so uh, I was um, pretty much uh, in the front and we had a plan to be together with him in the front when we had one and a half two kilometers before this sp- before the sprint and I tried to let him go so he could uh, take some points from uh, Novak but uh, it didn't quite uh, yeah hold uh, all the way into the sprint but um, yeah it was a really good start and uh, then you're getting up uh, the, the uphills to the top and uh, when you're racing this race you are when you're in the group you're 
either feeling strong or you're really tired all the way because you get no uh, you get no parts where you can uh, relax and yeah gather yourself it was kind of interesting that you said that it was really fast at the beginning because judging you know uh, from from television screen screens is by looking at you guys it didn't look that fast but i guess you guys started really or bookweb as you said started you know all guns blazing pretty much full speed yeah and uh it may also seem like it uh, doesn't go that uh, fast because it's so many good skiers now so the field is pretty big uh but also when the when the the tracks are really fast it's also a little bit better to stay in the back away from wind and stuff uh so um, if you take uh, that into consideration the the start was was fast how is it usually in 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 Wisma Ski Classics races has it changed is it seems to me that it is a full speed from the from the get go pretty much nowadays Yeah, uh I've been surprised uh, by that uh, in some races now because even though it's snowing it's hard to be in the front. Someone is uh, really trying to go for it and uh yeah, I think that's uh, really cool for the for the sport. And you mentioned Stian of course and the sprint uh, competition. There's a tight one there with yeah. Max and, and and of course Patinski. It's been performing uh, really well. How important is that sprint competition for you guys? And uh, for us, as a, um, still a new team and a, a small team, it's uh, it's really important to to be um, yeah to be in the TV screen to be uh, like sponsors. They are they're saying that it's really fun to look at the race from the start because you have uh, finish lines before the real finish line so for us it's uh, really important for um, just showing our team and what uh, what we are and uh, uh, for Stian as a skier he uh, he has some years uh, to grow to become um, a good uh, yeah a good good enough skier to to fight for yeah top six maybe And he has said that he's actually using sprint competition as a kind of a springboard, yeah. a stepping stone for bigger things. Yeah. So um, we will see next uh, weekend. Uh, it's uh, there's not no, not any green sprints there, I guess. I think that's correct. And then, uh, yeah, we will see how he will perform when he's not sprinting because I'm really impressed by Novak becoming uh, four today after the sprint they did on the stadium. He's been really strong this season. Yeah. He's been sprinting, but still quite high up there, pretty close to the podium. What's sort of your take and opinion on on, on, the, on him, this particular young skier? Yeah, um, I think it's really impressive how uh, several of the the younger skiers have uh, they've been uh, taking the level, and uh, Novak and um, uh, Emil Persson, they have uh, taken some huge uh, steps uh, to getting really good uh, all-around skier. They have already be, become that, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's cool to see the young guys uh, go fast and then it's even more fun to beat them in the next races. Were you a bit surprised when, you know, when this season started? I mean, of course, you knew that there will be younger skiers and they are hungry for success, but still, this really has been the year of the youth as we say so many good young skiers 
are breaking through? Uh, yeah. Um, what shall I say? I think that um, there's been several uh, yeah, uh, athletes uh, performing much better than I expected. Uh, the Russian winter team been doing it really well. And um, yeah, it's uh, like the last year as a Norwegian skier, you are always listening to the, the stories that, okay, there's so many good Norwegian skiers. But to see the the cup grow, to see uh, other nations perform and young uh, guys perform, and uh, yeah, starting to to beat uh, Outland in a little bit more races, that's yeah, that's just uh, really cool. Yeah, I mean, it really takes a lot to uh, to to achieve that kind of level, be broken uh, uh, through, as as I, as I said. Uh, ski Classics, generally speaking, you've been around. You, I mean, talk about your history a little bit in your background. Uh, and this is the 10th anniversary year. What else can you detect besides the youth kind of coming up and on a front line? Uh, I think uh, ski classics as a, um, as a, a sport, a long distance sport, sport has uh, grown in, on all fields. Um, the, the first years when, uh, yeah, all the way from the press conference to the to the start field to the to the track setting everything has become much more professional and um, yeah uh, to do these races have just become more and more uh, interesting for skiers so um, yeah I can't really put out say one thing because everything has just become much more uh, professional Speaking of that, let's continue that uh, train of thought. Uh, you mentioned that everything's become a, has become much more professional and uh, also kind of behind the scenes. Everything you have the team captain me- captains meetings, things like that. I mean, how does it feel when you come to a location? You know, okay, I have a race this weekend, and you come to the location from wherever you've been training or from home or, or wherever. How does it kind of you know feel when you kind of the first glimpse when oh now I'm back here the action. Um, for me, it's kind of like, uh, yeah, it's um, a strange feeling when yeah, I'm both a skier and, uh, and a manager. So um, uh, it has become a lot more things to think about in front of the race. So the whole weekend uh, is, yeah, feels like much more rushed now than, uh, than earlier. But um, uh, overall, you get, uh, you get that... Um, yeah, you know the feeling before you are competing. Is it nerve-wracking sometimes? Because there are so many things that you need to, you know, take care of. You know, kind of carrying the the burden on your shoulders. Uh, yeah, uh, I I feel that um, it was a lot more last year. Last year I felt that uh, this is not the best for me as a skier. Uh, now this year it's much better because I have uh, more people in the in the service team. Um, so for me, it has become much uh, less nerve-wracking. But uh, for next year, I hope that I am just going to focus on only the skiing and let the other guys on the team do the, yeah. Um, yeah. But could that be the reason that you, I mean you started so well last year? I mean, I, we remember fourth place at Kaiser. But after that, I mean, you couldn't really fulfill the potential that you that you've shown this year. So. Could one of the reasons be 
that you had too much to do last year? Uh, I still have to uh, to keep it going this year to say that uh, it has changed this year. Uh, but I, I feel that um, last year it was um, uh, in front of uh, Vasaloppa. I felt both uh, uh, mentally and physically like uh, finished. Um, I also had some some illness, but I think that in overall. Uh, it was that I had a little bit of too much things to think about. When Ture Bebeda was our guest, you know, the Machalunga winner yeah. and Masalopet winner, and he's pretty much like you. I mean, he is the team owner. He, he runs his team and he seems to, th- you know, thrive from that. And he, you know, he has this kind of a two different hats to wear. Um, but in your case, he seems, but you're still happy, correct? I mean, you, yeah. you like running a team. Yeah. Uh, the, um, my choice to start my own team, I uh, I wouldn't change that. Uh, yeah, for for no no reason. I uh, I'm really glad that I did. Um, if uh, if I'm going to compare uh, my job against uh, Torres last year, I had to start the team from scratch. Uh, they have uh, uh, a lot higher budget, and things were much more. Yeah, in place when the season started. Um, that has maybe the... And he has Bernard as well to share the responsibility. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the the changes for us is that all the new things last year, um, they are not new anymore. So we just uh, keep on going with the, the things last year uh, that worked out and changing the, um, the things that didn't work out. And... Uh, we are starting to close the gap, I think, to the to the top three, uh, yeah, at least the top three best teams. So next year we are hoping to get the budget and get uh, the team to to really fight against uh, Koteng, Ragden, and Lager. Are you constantly looking for new skiers, like scouting? Mm. No, right now I'm not looking for uh, for skiers at all. Um, Mostly, I um, I kind of like uh, evaluating each uh, race weekend and um, just like uh, thinking about uh, which one in the service team I want to uh, use more in the yeah the races and years to come. Why don't you have a female? I mean, I know you have sort of, but we haven't seen her around. <laughs> you need a good woman, you know, a girl yeah. to fight for the points. <laughs> we started to think about it uh, in the spring. Uh, and we actually, I talked a lot with uh, Thea Krokanuru, uh, but when uh, Ragde started to, uh, yeah, be interested Pursue in her, her. <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, I, yeah, quite quickly understood that there's no way that I can compete against them, and I also heard uh, the rule change that two females are counted in in the the team uh, the team competition and then i felt that it it was too big of a gap to to fail to get into two girls that's was yeah that wasn't um, nowhere near the budget we had to to realize that but do you think it's a good change that we now have mm. two women that can score points it's really good for the the female uh, um, field 
uh, it's really fun to see the the females uh, go out of the star line um, yeah like four years ago it was seven eight racers so that's really good uh, for me as uh, starting to grow a small team uh, that rule change was yeah that made us not getting a hundred percent woman into the team so i'm uh, yeah i don't know uh, really what to think about it it's both good for the ladies and yeah wasn't that good for us as a team but what about next year i mean do you think that you'll find at least one good lady in your team yeah f first of all i need to uh, talk with the sponsors uh hopefully they are I know that they are happy now after the season start we have had, um, but we need to just keep on going until uh, Levy, and then from Levy until May we have to discuss what we can afford and uh, yeah, in which way we are going to go as a team. Are we focusing on the the team competition or are we just focusing on individual male performances and bibs for the for the males because for me as a as a skier i also thinking about what is the best for me and for me when you're training in lillehammer and yeah all the way for me it's best to have a lot of good guys but as a team manager it might be good to have some females so i have to think about that in the spring that's an interesting point you said that you since you are a good, really good skier. I mean, you're so close to. We talk about that a little bit. The podium, podium that is looming there. <laughs> um, interestingly, you just said that you are looking for skiers around you. So is that? I mean, how do you? I mean, you need to have competitive, competitive skiers around you to boost you up a bit. Correct. Yeah, and that that's why I started the team or. Uh, changed the team after the first year because the first year I was alone and I had uh, I had a comedian I had a boxer and another friend joining the team and they were yeah they were on the paper but they weren't at the level that I can train with them and see them on the the, the start list so when I got the opportunity to have skiers uh, on my level I thought that I have to have it to to have a winning culture and to to grow learning from them and to yeah have uh, some uh, days to just uh, yeah leave them behind uh, up the the hills and some days days being really pushed by them and did you get two big names as well Austin Peterson who's not doing that many races anymore and Mordnade Peterson yeah tell us about that a little bit Mordnade's story of course signing with another team that then you know uh, uh ran out of money actually the French team and he was soloing for a while yeah after um, after their team uh, broke up we yeah it kind of went uh, our way to to get um, a much stronger team uh, I felt really sorry for uh, Morten as a friend when uh, when that uh, team broke down uh, but it was uh, really good both as a friend and also as a, as a team manager and skier to get him into to our team. So uh, getting him into the team and as a full-time skier uh, has been really good for both me and especially for the, the two younger guys. So they, uh, 
they have uh, two older guys with uh, a little bit more, uh, um, yeah, the, we, we know a little bit more uh, than them, even though they not always like to think that. So that that's really good for, for all of us and uh, to have um, uh, Einstein to, um, yeah, both talk seriously with. Uh, I talked with him uh, after the race today because I was... Uh, a little bit disappointed about my own choices and then he he's really good to to say the right things and he's also really um, really good to be uh, to be happy when he needs to be happy so it's, it's good to get him into the team for for some races and uh, and uh, yeah he also takes some uh, <laughs> some some uh, some place uh, and he yeah he does a lot so it's also good to let him go back he home used to, to run his, his own team as well in a yeah. team and bank so have you learned anything from him in terms of running a team yeah i um yeah i looked at the way he he has been running the team and uh, some things uh, he have been doing that i i think that okay that's not the direction i want to to uh, to grow my team and some uh, some things I I've been asking him like directly what did you do and what do you think about this and he uh, yeah he knows how to talk so he always has a a good answer so what kind of things you don't want to do that he did um I uh, wanted to focus on uh, young skiers so the first year we was uh, yeah it was uh, me and one guy at my age uh, have been racing uh, some some years uh, in ski classics and then i wanted to, to bring in two new guys uh, both pros and cons with that uh, but uh, yeah they focused on okay we we want people to win the race and i think it's yeah i think it's really fun to to be like the team coming up from behind what about his kind of sense of humor he's a kind of a joker is that contagious <laughs> um yeah, you know when um, when we before Marcia Longa, we had to do um, yeah a team uh, interview for a sponsor, and he just uh, yeah he took it all. <laughs> so that's um, yeah that's both uh, good and uh, I think we have to learn from it because uh, yeah he says that that's why I can do what I do now because I always been joking, I always been not too uh, afraid to to stick out. That's a bit of a good segue for us to talk about, uh, before we get back to the race, uh, talk about the media, kind of the media exposure. It, it is becoming more and more important, and personalities, they play a huge role. Oyster Pilsa, Oyster, of course, has this colorful, you know, uh, very vivid, you know, personality. You have a different one. Uh, but the media, how important is, is that, and how do you approach the media exposure, the kind of the media in general? Uh, for me, it's important to uh, to do it uh, yeah, on the way that uh, you see that uh, yeah, like the whole uh, like everything is uh, it has become uh, really important to be good in social media. That's the main goal to to do fun things, to do things that people want to watch. And uh, there's where I have my biggest uh, focus. 
uh, and also be become really close to the sponsors. So that's just like the main things I uh, I am focusing on, and like the media to get into interviews like uh, this and do podcasts and be uh, a yes person uh, there. I think you just have to do it because that's the yeah that's the other part of being a skier. If you just train, if you just uh, just say no to everything, I think that you in the end you you can't get the uh, you can't get the the money to to be a skier at the level you need to be to get yeah the whole team going. So the social media definitely has changed the face of the business. I mean, you need to be out there, not just skiing. You can't be just a loner, lone wolf anymore. You need to be out there posting videos and stuff like that. You mentioned funny, good videos that people don't watch. Yeah, uh, I uh, I have understand that uh, understood that um, sponsors they are really looking for likes, followers, and stuff like that because that's yeah if you see the number of followers and that's the only thing that you can yeah you can put a number on so i i think that's yeah that's really really important speaking of which uh, when you approach the sponsors what kind of package do you have you have all kinds of things of course your performances but there's got to be much much more than just that um i started three years ago just uh i was not on any team and i started thought that okay i do not want to be on a already yeah existing team because i saw that uh, my um, um the teams that i can get on they weren't at that level that i felt that was good enough and then i just started to think about how can i get sponsors to get something in return for me so i started to talk with the uh, with two guys and they wanted to be a part of it and after that i just been uh, yeah i didn't have uh, i've been making some plans but uh, it's like racing a race you can never plan it and do exactly as planned yeah it has been like the last years it has just just taken each day each day. <laughs> so you have a team pretty much started from a kind of a shellfish, you know, <laughs> reasons you created around you. That was kind of the focus, correct? Yeah. Um, it started just to to be able to ski, to be able to have the, the, the opportunity to become a good skier. And um, I actually met the, uh, the owner of Café uh, Bryggerie, our main sponsor, on Vasaloppe. And he was traveling with, uh, at that time, one of the, our main sponsors. And then we just started to talk. And um, a couple of weeks later, uh, I met him on another race. And then he just said that, okay, I want to start a team and I want to start a team with you. And then uh, the idea of getting other guys into the team and making it a, a really professional team started. So, yeah. It wasn't something that I planned, but it just happened along the way. So you just said, you know, this type of podcast and the, in the media, things are very important for you and and your sponsors. Now I'll give you a, a, a moment to, you know, you can promote the Cafe Brugger. Tell us about your sponsor. Um, 
I have to be uh, honest. I don't, I, I don't drink coffee and I never uh, had a cup of coffee, but uh, I have to, uh, I just have to say that uh, everybody tasting the, the coffee. It's very good. I know. Really I have good. tasted yeah, it and I am a coffee drinker. Yeah. And it's, um, we had uh, the, the coffee machine broke last year because of uh, cold and it's not maybe the best environment to have a coffee machine. But uh, to have that in, uh, in our vaccine truck and uh, I, I just feel that, um, yeah, you said that Einstein uh, uh, gives a lot uh, to the... Um, what should I say? You um, to the, um, the media. Uh, yeah, not the, the media, but uh, to get good asm- atmosphere in the ah. team, and also having the coffee machine to get around. That's uh, yeah, that's really good. And uh, the last year, the the whole uh, company has become much more interested in watching us, and uh, we were uh, on a media day there uh, in the autumn. And it, yeah. Just a really good, uh, really good crowd. Indeed. Let's get back to the race. Uh, we talked about the first part being really fast, surprisingly fast. Uh, Vokov took a, uh, took the lead there, uh, made sure that you guys had a good pace. Then the sprint, uh, the famous arena, but then the climb. And we've been talking about the high capacity skiers quite a lot. And that's what, for example, Yedalen said and Nigod yesterday, that only the high capacity skiers will be left. Yeah. Um because you don't get the the downhills uh, to gather yourself and uh, we knew that uh, the best guys are just going hard that was our our goal martin said that uh, we uh, we have to be in the front when stian sprints and then we just have to keep it going to get uh, to get the the guys with not the highest capacity to they to have to let go at some point to just be patient just to, yeah uh, push hard and um, for the first time I was going up there and felt that okay I have control because up there you have uh, either control or you have uh, the worst uh, the worst hill of uh, your life because yeah then you are getting more and more tired um, and it it went out just as we predicted uh Eliasen and Morten they they pushed really hard and then you have to be in the best positions because you have to be really good to just take five spots in 100 meters so I was uh, I'm disappointed in myself because I know that I have become a really I've improved my stamina but um my tactical choices wasn't that good because I was a little bit uh, too far behind. And then I ended up in the group that I think I could have at least tried to to catch the four guys in the front. When we are talking about the high capacity skiers, let's define that a little bit. Of course, we are also talking about VO2 max levels. But what else when you guys talk about high capacity the, the skiers with big engine? Yeah. Um yeah, the most common um, test we have, uh, test results, is uh, the lactate uh, threshold at uh, four uh, millimole. Uh, it's uh, yeah, may- maybe the most uh, important uh, factor from uh, toe block until uh, climb bunch to top. 
you have to have a high speed with a low uh, lactate threshold. Oh, no, low lactate, uh, yeah, in your blood. And of course, training uh, with Ture, we talked about the training and how the training has changed. But let's talk about your training specifically. How have you trained? Because you are, you would consider yourself a, a high capacity skier, correct? Yeah, um, I've been doing some changes in my, in my, uh, the highest intensity training sessions. Uh, I also, I finished my master degree uh, this spring. And uh, the results from uh, that master project uh, pretty much defined what things in the high intensity training I wanted to change. Um, and I started uh, to train a lot more with uh, uh, changes in my my speed instead of going. I still have uh, the those uh, workouts when you do six times five minutes. And you just go on a steady pace the whole uh, the whole five minutes, but I also been changing it to to have the workouts when I do two minutes with really high intensity, and then dropping the intensity, and also doing um, five minutes intervals where I go up in speed and a little bit down to gather myself and then back up on the speed. Then I've been able to uh, to stay much longer with a high. V- vo2 during the sessions and i think that has improved my capacity and how much double polling do you still do Tura said that it has changed of course when you guys kind of stepped into the arena uh, you had to do a lot of double polling but now the field is so strong everybody's so strong yeah now you have to find something else to kind of trigger you know your yeah and it's, it's also um where you are in your career i was um uh, a pretty good uh, all-around skier, uh, some top 10 spots in the Norwegian Championships. And then I thought that, okay, now I'm going to, to do long distance. And then I felt that I have to to stay the distance. And then I had to double pull a lot to not uh, go the half of the race and then been losing all my juice in the upper body. Uh, and then I th- felt that uh, my classical and skating, uh, yeah, that capacity fell a lot. And Stian is, yeah, he is in like, uh, he is where I was two, three years ago. He has to double pull a lot to stay the distance. Uh, but now I feel that uh, the problem is not to, to race 70 kilometers, it's the speed. Um, in the most specific part of the races and then it was uh, I had to increase my capacity to to have the highest speed when uh, the hills are yeah steepest so you just mentioned uh, this particular training that you do but what is your favorite workout something you like the most um I think it's hard to uh, to pick out one thing. Uh, I think that uh, for me, when I've uh, been having a lot of years, when I've been looking at in the training diary, uh, uh, I I saw that uh, you have some. I have some gaps when I've been ill and stuff. So that uh, the the one thing that gives me the most when I'm training 
is to see that uh, I can have uh, one month, two months with really good uh, training over a longer period. So both uh, strength training, uh, high intensity training, uh, football, all those things I I like a lot and I can't pick out one thing, but maybe the most fun uh, session this year was when we were in Croatia and we uh, double polled uh, yeah, uh, up to one of the Croatia's highest uh, points. That's yeah, like single workouts that uh, maybe are the coolest. We had an article about that way back then, but why Croatia? Why did you guys pick that particular country and place? Um, it was uh, actually because uh, Magnus's family knew some guys there. That was the the first uh, reason, and um, he was there in the spring, and he saw that it was really nice to roller ski there and then we just uh, wanted to go there because we really we we saw that the opportunities there were really good but last year uh, or this year this year last uh, training camp there didn't end well because the police didn't like that we ski there so uh, we will see oh, really? we will see what we will do uh, next year because um, what happened did anything happen there yeah uh, we uh, roller skied up the, the first hill and uh, it was the first day of uh, uh Singar, Odne and some uh, some sponsors and they told us that hey have you heard anything about the police and we know nothing and 5 minutes later they told us to to not roller ski there so we had to go a little bit out of the town and uh, they told us that they didn't have anything in the the, the traffic um, yeah uh, the traffic rules that it wasn't allowed because they have never seen it before but they compared it to to children's bike <laughs> and they said that children are not allowed to bike on children's bike here so then you can't use those kind of children equipment they call it you must have been annoyed you know yeah uh, it was um we had uh, seven days left of the training camp, so we were mostly like, uh, yeah, not happy about uh, changing our plans for the last seven days, but we were able to get a really good uh, training camp out of it. We spoke about, I mean, I actually, when, when Magnar was our guest, we spoke about the uh, this particular aspect of the things that you guys are now actually seeking warmer places. For training instead of looking for snow like it kind of used to be the case how come on what what's so cool about going to mallorca or croatia or this you know places where they have sun and and and, and warm weather uh yeah all the guys on the team are located in lillehammer and uh, lillehammer is um yeah i think that lillehammer is the best place to live as a skier for 11 month during a year but uh, that one month in october can be really cold you don't have any roller ski conditions and you don't have any skiing conditions so to just go to warmer places to do five hour six hour passes uh, without uh, freezing your toes off that's uh, the main reason why we go there and then we can come back to Lillehammer and then we can go up to Shushan and have uh, really nice uh, skiing tracks. So we, 
it's just to get away from the period in Lillehammer where you don't have roller ski conditions and don't have skiing conditions. But you could go to like Ramsam Dachstein and get a glacier and go skiing like some teams do. Yeah, but, but I um, I don't uh, think that uh, it's the, the glacier workouts that uh, makes me the best. Uh, I need the, the long uh, passes and... Uh, those those are much easier to collect in warmer places. So, uh, but uh, yeah, of course, um, uh, Ramsau is a really nice place. But uh, it's also really fun to uh, to put out pictures on social media that people are uh, jealous about. Indeed, it is. <laughs> but let's talk about your past a little bit. You mentioned earlier that you used to be a good all-around skier, a top ten in the Norwegian nationals. What is Vetletudi's story? How did you become a skier and then eventually a long-distance one? Uh, I always been uh, inter- interested in sports, uh, and uh, it was football and skiing for me. Uh, but then I realized that um, I was better in. Uh, I had a better VO2 max than I had uh, football skills. So, um, and then I just uh, started. Uh, more seriously when I was 18, 19 years old, I stopped playing football. Um, and from from that on, skiing has uh, just uh, been my life. And I have never been on uh, podium uh, podiums in either nationals and uh, international races. But I've been really close the whole way. And um, I just can't quit until I can make those those podiums that's like uh, I just really want to achieve that so and you've been close here as well fourth a few times yeah still the podium yeah you have been telling me a lot and guys home are uh, have been telling me a lot and um, the comedian on the team he sent me some pictures when he put my head on uh, Christine Stormersteira's body because she she is known for a lot of fourth places, so I just have to get that soon. <laughs> How does it affect you uh, uh, mentally uh, that you are? I mean, you are so close, but you don't want to be or become the kind of the eternal fourth or fifth. Yeah. Um, right now, I'm really just happy to be in the shape that I can not being in the last part of the, uh, the leading group. I I've had some years now that I I've been going uh, as hard as I can and uh, sometimes being in the, the 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 best group and sometimes have to let it go. Uh, but now this year I've been strong enough each race to to be there and it was uh, it hasn't been a question if I have to let them go. It's more a question of when shall I try to to break away and stuff like that. So. For now, I'm just really happy about being in the in the positions that I've been. Uh, but uh, of course, after today, I I felt that uh, for the next races, I have to I have to try something to to get out that uh, that podium spot that I I now starting to get. Um, I'm I'm starting to know that I I'm strong enough for it. So I just have to go for it in the next races. You certainly have the experience, and uh, it, it'll come soon. But do you remember your first long-distance uh, ski race? 
And how did you feel after that? How did you feel after that? Um, I remember my uh, I, I I raced the uh, Birkebeinerrenne, but that was before I be, became a long distance skier. Uh, the first race was uh, phenom- phenomenal for me. Uh, I was uh seven or eighth i guess and i was uh, it was the first year in uh, team united bakeries and i was yeah 50 percent uh, or 30 percent long distance skiers and 70 percent uh, all-around skier and um i joined uh, that race and it was the race where um uh, bill impola went out on a on a new lap and i was uh i was going ahead of the on the um, the the chasing group and i was uh yeah and i was in in front of uh, Einstein Pettersen and uh, um Jon Christian Dahl racing for my team and i tried to do the best for them and that was after that race i felt that okay i have to do more long distance races because that's what i'm best at but uh yeah a, a month later or two months later when i raced Vasaloppe for the first time I I started to think that it was a bad idea because <laughs> it was a really bad experience that Why? race <clears throat> because uh, the guy said to me before the start that you are going for the first sprint uh, to take points for in the team um, competition and they also said that yeah it it's hundreds of skiers on that sprint it will go slow but it uh, went really fast, and I was in the back of the first field with uh, 17 guys, and I didn't know what hit me, really, because we had 70 kilo- kilometers left to go, and it was one of my hardest 70 kilometers I've, I've been racing. So then I started to think that I have to do more long double polling workouts. But you need those kind of experiences as well. You need to need to know what it what it really takes and you need to kind of die out there on a track as well correct yeah, that's <clears throat> in everything in life you uh, you need to get some uh, yeah some uh, chaos to to grow what about pass a little bit nowadays how do you feel about the race it's it's often called the king of the ski races yeah um marshalonga was like the the first really important race um and Vasaloppe is the, the second, so uh, now I have full focus on this uh, the last race in uh, this five-week tour. And after that, I have to um, to recollect and just uh, yeah write down my uh, my training schedule that I want to do before Vasaloppe and start to think about that on Monday morning, I guess, after the Giseska. Yeah, we still have Yuseska and, and then the Scandinavian yeah. tour, as, as as we say, lots of races uh, over there in different countries, Finland, Sweden and Norway. But uh, back to the race, uh, you mentioned that you you went really satisfied with your kind of performance or, or positioning yourself uh, in the race. But your teammate, uh, Morten, was up there uh, with Peter. Uh, that was something that you guys planned ahead. And was it did it work out as as you guys expected? Yeah, it did work out pretty much much exactly as we expected. Uh, and uh, but uh, we talked about uh, doing more in the front. But uh, I think that other guys uh, did that for us. 
so he did exactly what we planned to just go for it and have finish line on the top uh, but I was um, yeah I should have uh, tried to uh, to stay in uh, Morten's posi position and be with him and uh, just uh, try to be there because um, now I feel strong enough that I should try that and not stay a little bit uh, yeah to have a little skiers in front of me it's hard to to catch the gap into Eli in uh, Eliasen and uh, Eder Pedersen you have to be there when they put up the pace yeah Alan tried <laughs> yeah he tried and uh, uh, Andreas succeed um, but that was towards the end but and on the uphill yeah, yeah, yeah. Alan pushed really hard yeah uh, and it was tough yeah, it went uh, really fast and uh, I wasn't able to get in front of the guys uh, making the gap to, to Jardalen and uh, Nigor and uh, for the next uh, race I will for sure uh, be in a position where I can stay on their back ski or maybe be the guy who put up the, the high uh, pace and if I then uh, yeah, our uh, just not uh, if I'm uh, just dried out and empty with powers. That will just I will rather do that than uh, have the feeling that I have today. Uh, your teammate Morten tried to get. The, I mean, he's leading the the, the climb uh, competition. He tried to get the points, the maximum points. Yeah. But it wasn't that easy. Sprinting an uphill, Peter was still stronger. Yeah, I haven't uh, seen it, and I did not know until now how that uh, went out. So. Uh, Eliasen was first and... He was first, yes. Yeah. Morten uh, uh, jumped off and tried to get the points, but Eliasen sped up a bit and okay. was faster. Yeah. Um, right now, I think that Morten, he he has quite some gap. He has almost 100 points, I guess. So uh, for now, I think that for him to just stay in top two, top three is maybe better and try to save uh, as much energy as possible if guys like Eliasen wants to take the points i think that morton should let him have it and save the energy for the for the final results do you think uh, peter eliasen's uh, pace was a little bit too much for morton because he he got a little bit tired towards the end yeah uh, he did and i was um, i was a little bit surprised that he had to make the gap but um, the guys uh, on rugby they did it uh, really well uh, andreas uh, uh, came up to them and he let uh, Eliasen go. Morten tried to catch the gap and he catched the gap first, but then Nigor went and then uh, Morten had to give a little bit of gap and then you get the wind and then you're, yeah, it's hard to, to close the gap to those, those, those guys then. Where and how did uh, Nigor conjure up the that speed and it was able to to catch because Eliasen had a pretty substantial gap there and it was going to they looked for a while that he's gonna take it yeah um I heard that they didn't quite look like teammates when they were racing down there but uh yeah Nigor is um yeah Nigor and Eliasen they are maybe the best guys in that kind of uh slopes from uh, the top and down and um, yeah, I'm really impressed by uh, uh, Nigor's uh, skiing the last uh, last races. 
Uh, yeah, he has, uh, he has done, done it the way he did uh, last year. He wasn't that good in the, the first two races, but when January comes, Rag, the, they are really good. So, uh, Morten and I and uh, yeah, Magnus and Stian, we have to we have to focus to to stay with them the next races. Why do you think that is the case with uh, Ragdai and Dom? It has happened before, as you said, and even Nygaard uh, admitted that he's usually n- not performing at his best level uh, in the early season and then peaking a little bit later on, which has happened now again. Yeah. Um, I don't know um, how they do it and what they're doing that, yeah, they might not uh, want to say that uh, to uh, to us as a as uh, competitors, but um, and and I I don't know really. Uh, Andreas have been winning the first race earlier, so I don't know why. Uh, if it's something that they have been planning, or if it's just uh, two years in a row coincidence. Is is he going to be a tough one to beat now because he finally got his victory for this season? Yeah, uh, one victory and uh, into the yellow bib and uh, everything is the way it was uh, last year. So um, I just I, I think that um, I think that we can. Uh, it's much closer now than it has been uh, the last couple of years. So um, we will have to just try to turn it around again. It's a tight fight. You are sixth there at the moment. We will have the standings a little bit later on. So, But as you mentioned, in every competition pretty much, I mean, it's a really tight fight there. Yeah, I think that... Uh, I don't know if it has been that close, top, top six, seven. Uh, the, three, the top three, they made a gap to me uh, after this race. But um, it's really fun that it's close, and it's really fun that I'm part of being top six. I've never been in this posi- position uh, uh, at uh, this uh, far in the season. We're we over uh, halfway already, so I just have to just try to uh, keep Eliasen behind me because he's uh, breathing in my neck now. Let's continue talking about a little bit of the tactics. Uh, Peter Eliasson said after the race that he should have waited for Yerdalen. Yeah. But why didn't he do that? Because or is it the heat of a moment you know, when you're yeah. out there? Uh, the first race, I got some uh, some uh, some of the guys um, watching the race told me that I might not have been cl- should have closed the gap to Morten up the last hill. Uh, but right there and then, I just uh, did not have any other option in my head. I just have to went go all in, and I think that that was that was what uh, Petter did. Now he d- didn't think and just uh, skied as fast as he uh, as he could, and yeah, that's the way uh, our competitive mind works. I think it's always easier to speculate and. Uh, well, afterwards, uh, yeah. of course, uh, but pro- probably that was something uh, that they could have done. They could have played a little bit uh, differently mm. in terms of the, the team tactics there. Yeah, but also uh, if they waited for uh, for Tord, it might have happened that our uh, we uh, in the the chasing group seven guys 
maybe the gap was close enough for us to get the motivation to to take the last 10 because they were only 15 seconds in front of uh, uh, like uh, the the um, the guys I skied with so um, you can't hesitate down there so yeah it's always difficult to say after a race if it if it was the right or wrong decision team tactics has always been sort of a discussion topic uh, and certainly we are talking about team tactics again here but how much of that do you see that it's uh, it's changing we quite often make the parallels with the cycling world and how important team tactics and strategies are uh, in that particular sport but but it's definitely the scene is changing in our sport as well team tactics is playing a huge role nowadays yeah, when the um, when the um, the leading field are growing, the tactics are all, or the tactical decisions are also much more important. Uh, uh, and a race like this, uh, when you have fast tracks and um, the wind uh, are important to uh, to stay uh, as much away from as possible, then. You get all those uh, those things to talk about uh, afterwards. Like I was not happy about being in the position where I was when the the first the first four guys uh, were um, were going. And uh, it's always good to have another teammate in the field or in your group. But um, I think that we're not skilled enough yet to. Uh, to do the right decisions, to talk with each other, we have some uh, something to learn from the, the the cyclists. That's interesting. Can you can you point out something? Can can you make some parallels? Can 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 you say what could be taken from that particular sport? Yeah. Um, first of all, they they have some com- communication uh, during the race. They can talk to each other and talk with the. Uh, the head director um, for us, like Seefeld was one of those those races where I did not really know what my guys were doing. Uh, in uh, Loitach, we have three 30 kilometers with, uh, with a flat course. And suddenly Magnus on our team, he started just to go in the front. And I did not know why he did that. And afterwards he said that I wasn't feeling that good. So that was why I did it. Um, so maybe we need to communicate better. Uh, he did a really good job for the other three guys on the team, but we didn't quite know why he did it until afterwards. So I think that uh, communication and learning from each race is just like the only thing we can do. Anything else? I mean, in, like in cycling world, uh, they tend to have the kind of the star rider, the the biggest star of the team, and it, and then you have the support riders, people that are supporting and helping that particular individual. Uh, Is that a good thing for skiing? Or? Yeah, uh, for us, it's like Stian has his goal, it's the green sprint, and for today's race, today's race, we were, we said that okay, we're going to help him. We have to be a lot of guys, making it tough for the other sprinters to get past, and to. Uh, and I tried to let Stian go. I let him have five meters and he tried, but that didn't work out. And uh, you just have to make a plan. And even if it doesn't work or if you 
uh, are not in a position to try it at all. You you just have to try and fail, and um, uh, and when um, and you also have to have a strong enough team to to be in a position where you can play your cards. Uh, in uh, Marcelonga, Magnus was beside me, and I wanted to get out on the right to get in good position before the for the last hill, and he said, "Jump in, get." in in front of me to to get out and that was like a small thing but it was really important to me to be top six into the last hill and maybe maybe 15 and uh, you saw that the guys in the 15th position they were yeah the train went into the into the hill the hill, I mean, speaking of hills, you know, you had a long climb here, but also a really long downhill section. Kind of reminded me a little bit of a big event as well, where you have a long climb, then a downhill, another climb, and then downhill all the way to, to Lillehammer. But races like that, when you have a long, but you have a finish after a long downhill section, how do you approach this kind of race? I mean, mentally speaking, I mean, it's a, um, it's a, it was a long down, it's a 12K. Yeah, uh, and that's why that, was why I, I won. I'm not happy about my tactical decisions because I think that you have to have, you have to have the the first goal or the first finish line is on the top, and uh, when you're at the top, you have to recollect: Are you going to the push for the guys in the front or going in the the group behind? And I I saw that Morten was in the front, and I was together with uh, Nova Kulgor. And they tried to catch the gap, and when they asked me to 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 join and to uh, to to take turns in the front, I said that I can't because Morten is in the front. So um, if Morten hasn't been there, it would have been a really tough last 10k for me. Uh, but now, when Morten was in front, it was quite easy 10k because I was, yeah trying to gather some uh, powers to the sprint. So there are tactical things like that that you have to consider because you had your skier out there. Even if you wanted to go, you you couldn't do because he was up there. Yeah. You had to play that card, correct? Yeah, because um, when Morten, he could have been uh, top three uh, and I, I do not want to be a part of yeah making that possible podium for him less uh, or harder for him so yeah that was just something i i had to do and uh, it's also like if i used all my powers to catch the best guys it's not uh, it's not a good feeling to catch them and then all the guys staying in your back just uh, going past you and then you're 11 so yeah, you have to think uh, think fast, and uh, yeah, I think that I didn't think fast enough today, maybe. And you crashed. Yeah. How did uh, that happen? Uh, the finish is uh, really tough, really narrow, and um, I had um, I had powers. I think that I I can do a good sprint, and. Um, I almost crashed when uh, when a guy went into uh, into my skis, so I lost a lot of speed, and then I went outside the tracks to get back in position, and then the last turn came, and it was uh, uh, 
freshly snow just put out. It was a little bit, uh, uh, yeah, not uh, the um, not uh, the the conditions we were used to the last uh, 40k, and I really don't know what happened there. I uh, it was a little bit of blur, blur because I got an ear something in my head when I was laying down there, so I don't really remember what happened exactly. But uh, I went down and I. Yeah. You were able to collect yourself pretty quickly, though. Yeah. Uh, I was uh, first. I did not know really what happened. And then I started to get angry. So then, I, <laughs> then everything was okay, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you were still angry at, you know, at the finish, correct? Yeah. Uh, it took a couple of hours to, to get that out of my head. Because, uh, yeah, you know, I saw the... I was really close to, to Marcus before the before the finish line and i know that he is faster and probably would have sprinted me down anyway but i i saw the top uh, the top three and the podium right in front of me and then you you're getting angry when you when you're not able to try to sprint for it so you probably could have been within the first six seven skiers a little bit better I, than you were now you were 11th now yeah i think that the top six was within reach and with a really good sprint i I could have been uh, a little bit higher, but uh, yeah, that that's not what happened, and I have to I have to take the the eleventh place and uh, try again next weekend. But it's a nice finish, though. I mean, in a, in the heart of the town, you know, Cortina di Ampezzo, famous place. Yeah, it's uh, it's cool with uh, with the finishes like that. Um, you see, Marcelonga, why why do people like it? Because it's yeah, it's spectacular, and yeah, you need uh, you need the uh, finish lines like this. So let's take a look at the today's results and the uh, statistics. You know, the uh, standings at the moment. So Cortina, let's get started with the uh, women's side of things. The women's race first, so of course. Britta Johansson, new Grand Lager 157 ski team, won the race. Uh, her uh, time was one hour of 55 minutes and 55 seconds. Uh, followed by Kari Vikag and Yadnes, Team Kuteng uh, second. That was a really tight fight. There only a second between those those two skiers. And then the surprise um, podium skier Anastasia Vlasova, Russian winter team, and her time was one hour 57 minutes and 14 seconds. And then Katarina Smutna, uh, Etsy Bauer team was fourth. Lina Kuskren, Team Ramudden uh, fifth. And Olga Tsareva, another Russian winter team uh, skier. There's really tight fight there as well. Uh, sprint finish, followed by Roxanne Lagroy and Ida Dahl, eighth. Emilia Fleten, uh, ninth. Of course, Ida Dahl is from Team Ramudden. And Emilia Fleten from Team Ragde Eiendom. Another Team uh, Ragde uh, skier, Thea Krukan Murad, uh, was 10th. And in the men's race, we mentioned that uh, you were 11th many times, but uh, the top 10 right in front of you were Andreas Nigor, uh, Team Ragde Eiendom. Uh, his time was 1 hour 38 minutes and 25 seconds, followed by Peter Elias and his teammate. Really tight fight uh, there as well. And only less than a second, actually, 0.7 seconds was the difference between those two. Marcus Johansson, third, Lager 157 ski team, his second third place this season. Definitely a good season for him. Max Novak, fourth. You know a lot about being fourth. And he's also kind of the skier who's chasing after, you know, the podium places. And Stian Hölgard, fifth. So consistent. 
this year. Always, it, always up there. And, uh, but still, I mean, and on the podium as well, but he hasn't won a race yet. Uh, Oscar Cadin, sixth, a pretty good race from him, I mean, considering that it's been a tough, tough season for him. Your teammate, uh, Monet de Pedersen, seventh, and Ermil Vokuev, eighth. Do you think it was a little bit disappointing? Many expected him to do a bit better. Uh, yeah, I, um, I've been seeing his results in the, the World Cup, and he's been re- racing really good. So uh, it it's really fun to see uh, long-distance skiers performing that well in the World Cup and also see World Cup skiers are getting beaten in Marcelonga. Um, but um, uh, I think he used a little bit of power in the first 10K because he, he wasn't as strong as he has been in the uphills like uh, earlier this season. Um, so uh, I don't know really. I don't know him a lot because he he isn't racing that much of races with us. And it's hard to talk to him because yeah. he only speaks Russian. Unless you know Russian, it's uh, really uh, difficult to communicate with him. Uh, Yedalin, Turasi Yedalin, ninth. Not happy with that, of course, because he was so close to the podium and he was fighting for it. Yeah, and he tried to get away from uh, Morten, but it was a little bit too late because then we already have cashed him. And Ari Lusua from Finland, Valdava Fund ski team, was 10th. Ari's always out there pretty close. but yeah. And you've seen him skiing. And of course, he's from Finland, in the, <laughs> my, my home country. I have to ask you, I mean, how come he can't win? Or can't be in a podium? He's been in a podium once, but he's so close every time, like top 10 this season. Yeah. Um, he's a, He has become a really good skier. And um, I, I can't say why he... Uh, he uh, he hasn't more uh, podiums. I think that you you just have to stay top ten, and eventually it will uh, it will be there. But I also have to say that uh, he has to look a little bit more behind when he is uh, changing lanes because uh, today I wasn't that happy with him. I have to be honest. <laughs> That, that happens sometimes. Uh, Nigot also said that, you know, he's been, uh, when I asked him about this yesterday, he said, well, he has noticed that Ari hasn't had the best keys so yeah. far. But And of course, be, uh, behind you, we have to point out that Emil Persson, two-time uh, two states winner this season, and Andreas Holmberg, uh, those two skiers, not happy, of course, because they, they, they were really, like, pumping up, you know, before the race, thinking that, you know, tomorrow will be our day, but... Probably not that happy. Yeah, and uh, maybe I know he was uh, ill in uh, La Diagonella, so uh, he just have to stay calm and uh, hopefully the the form he had in uh, Seyfeld will uh, will get back. And then we look at this uh, standings, uh, champion competition. We've been talking about this uh, quite a lot, and it's important for all of you guys. And you are sixth at the moment, but. It is really, I mean, there's a really a tight fight between all of you guys. I mean, Nigor is now leading, uh, and he has 847 points. Uh, Stian Helgard is second, 800 points. Then uh, Turase Yedalen, uh, Team Rakti Ayendom, of course, 795 points. So it's a really tight fight. And we were kind of speculating that if Tur- uh, Yedalen is doing a race tomorrow, but perhaps I think that, that's what I heard. He might do the Challenger race, which is a 32-kilometer skating race tomorrow. And if he wins that, th- this will be interesting. Then he's only, and Nigor is not racing and getting any more points 
it could be only two two points but you know that's speculation i'm going to ask you about the challenges uh, pretty soon but let's take a look at the um, uh, the uh, the overall Standings at the moment then, because Marcus Johansson is fourth, and then your teammate Monene Pedersen, fifth, and you are sixth. And when you look at look at this, I mean, you have 700 points at the moment, and uh, Morten, your teammate, is uh, 73 points ahead of you, and only one point is separating Marcus Johansson and Monene Pedersen. I mean, there's, still, there's a great fight there. You still have a chance to be on a podium. Yeah, uh, it's really fun to see the... To see that uh, that you are up there, uh, but it's also when you um, you need uh, some top uh, three spots because a lot of points to the top three four. So um, Morten and I we uh, we have to we have to push for uh, yeah top four top five to. You need to raise the bar a bit. Yeah, we need because we need to do that because uh, if not. Uh, Eliasson is uh, coming right from, behind you. Yeah, so um, yeah, so we need to to get some points because he's weekend. only twenty eight points behind you, and then uh, Emil Parson, who is eighth, again not that many points behind you guys. I mean, it is really a tight fight. Max Novak ninth, five hundred ninety one points, and even Oscar Cardin has five hundred and ten points, and and Ari Lusu are four hundred and ninety five. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. It's uh, it's close, and that that's what that that's what we want. And it's also fun to see that I have seven over seven hundred points. Was it? Yeah, I have never gotten that in a whole season, so have to take that into consideration and maybe happy with the season start. Uh, indeed, it's been a really good one for you, and you've been consistent. And of course, we know that you are still looking for and waiting for the podium, and, and we all hope that it'll happen. Uh, the women's competition, when you look at this, of course, that's another interesting, you know, uh, game here taking place as Britta Johansson Nugren is now in the lead, yeah. kind of where she used to be. Uh, but the, the, the fight is really, really tight there, uh, because Kari Vikagen Yeitnes from Team Kuteng, and then Astrid Ures Lind, who was sick today. Didn't okay. really perform that well. She That's was far behind, happened. but she decided to do the race to get points. Uh, but when you look at this, I mean, it's uh, 1,075 points for Britta, uh, and Kari has 1,045, so 30 points there. And even uh, Astrid isn't really that far behind, 999 uh, points. I don't know what uh, Team Koteng did after Marcelonga, but... <laughs> Yeah, everybody got sick, I guess. Um, so that's um, yeah. That, that I don't think uh, Austria has had the yellow bib before. So um, yeah, I feel a little bit sorry for her to to finally have the yellow bib and then be uh, be sick. Um, but that kind of happens, you know, when you travel together. I mean, if one gets a bug, you know, gets a flu or stomach flu or something that you know. Could yeah. easily spread spread around. Yeah, and when you're traveling a lot and racing so long and uh, hard races, um, yeah, you don't have. Uh, yeah, you can uh, easily get sick. 
Katarina Smutna is fourth, uh, and uh, Lena Kuskren. Uh, Katarina has 890 points. Uh, Lena Kuskren, 775. Tight fight there as well, because Emilia Fleten uh, has 735 points. Then Ida Dahl is seventh, uh, 699 points. Thea Krukan Murud, uh, 602 points. And so- Sofia Elebru, uh, Team Parket Partners, Shushan. Uh, she changed the team, uh, you know, for this uh, season. 586 and Roxanne Lacroix, who had a really uh, great race today uh, from Ed System Bauer team, 503 and so forth. Yeni Larson right behind there uh, and the Russian skiers. So it's a really tight fight there. Let's take a look at the um, the sprints because, of course, that's uh, very uh, important for you guys because you are, or your skier is there in the lead, as we can see. So sprint competition, Stian uh, Barry, 224. But it's a p- pretty much tight there because Max Novak actually got the you know the bit yeah. tight there. Uh, what do you think is going to happen there? Uh, it's going to be... Uh, yeah, they're going to sprint their asses off for the rest of the season. That's... Uh, yeah. Uh, but also... Oscar Cutting isn't really that far behind, 180 points. Yeah, he always uh, collects some points. So he's not that far behind. So if he is getting into the shape he had, I heard he had in the, the fall, he might be able to to be in some breakaways and being uh, in groups that maybe Stian and Max can't uh, be in. So the the top three there will uh, it will be a really tight fight and um, and even Alexander Pachinski is not that far behind and he has really shown his capacity yeah and uh, but he uh, he is either winning the sprint or is not taking any points at all so he just uh, wants to win yeah <laughs> he uh, he needs to be uh, he need to to get yeah some more points. Uh, Overall, in all the sprints, I guess. And the women's competition, Prita Johansson-Nugren uh, is in the lead there, 135 points. But there is a tight fight there as well as Lina Koskrien is only nine points behind. And then Astrid Oeres Lind is third, 115 points. So it's only 20 points separating Astrid and Prita. So really tight fight there as well. So yeah. As you said, they will also be sprinting their asses off, as you yeah. said, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Uh, Gary Vikang and Yatnes then as a bit uh, further behind, uh, 50 points, and then Ida Darlands and, and so forth. The climb competition is uh, interesting as well. Let's take a look at that. As we have, again, your teammate there, Monere Pedersen. And when we look at that, uh, he has a bit of a, as you said earlier, safe lead, 222 points over Andreas Holmberry, who has 129. Do you think this is pretty much set, this competition? Mm, I think so, because uh, Morten has uh, shown now this year that uh, the climb bib means a lot to him. Uh, Jardalm have fought against him uh, the last couple of years and also Chris tried. Uh, but now I think that everybody sees that uh, Morten uh, does everything he can to, to have it. Um, and uh, he's also he's so strong that I, I think that, as I said earlier, he can now start thinking about 
being two or three and not uh, using too much power on the on the on the the climbs. Um, but there's a tight fight. I mean, of course, Holmberg is second, but tight fight between uh, Yedalen, who's third, Eliasen, uh tight with with him, and Nigod is only a point away. So there's a fight between yeah. uh, those uh, three skiers there. Of course, let's look at the uh, women's side of things. Aceris Lind is in the lead, but there's a tight fight because Britta is only uh, about what eight, uh, twelve is that twelve, uh, thirteen points behind and uh Karibi Kaginietnes is third uh, 74 points uh, as uh, Astrid has 138 points do you think that these two will continue fighting yeah i think so because also even though um uh, yeah uh, it's it is getting a gap there i know that the team competition is so important for both uh, Kuteng and Lager so they will do everything they can to get the most points for for the team. Uh, but it's really fun to to see how how close it is in almost all the uh, categories. Uh, that's kind of like a really yeah. Then you can see that uh, the uh, the over overall uh, field has become much more stronger when it's so close. And we talked about youth and you. When we look at the youth competitions and the youth women, Ida Dahl is in the lead. They're 699 points, but uh, Thea Kruk and Murud is not that far behind, 602. And then Nini Larsson, uh, three, uh, five, uh, sorry, uh, 502 points. So uh, tough fight there. And Anastasia Rugalina, Russian, another Russian winter team skier, they're fourth. And in the youth uh, competition, it can change really fast because if you have uh, one really top if you get uh, on the podium as a youth uh, skier and the uh, the next uh, youth skier is 20, it's, uh, yeah, maybe all over, yeah, it can be over 100 points difference in one race. As Emil Parson, who is leading the youth uh, uh, competition on the men's side of things, uh, he has two states wins and he is in the lead. But Max Novak isn't that far behind. He's second uh, as Emil has 666 points and Max has 591. And then Alexander Grebenko is third, but he hasn't been racing lately. Uh, unfortunately, he has an other engagements in, in, in Russia. He's a, But hopefully we'll see him back pretty soon. And your teammate, Magnus, what about him? He's fourth. I think that um, Magnus will get uh, more points on uh, the last uh, part of the season than he has uh, gotten now. He's not uh, he's not uh, that happy about the season start and uh, things hasn't really uh, been going his way. Uh, so um, yeah, I hope he uh, will turn it around. And then the pro team, of course, Team Kuteng is in the lead. Followed by Lager 157 ski team and then third team Rakte Ayendom. But when you look at this, that's close. It's really close because Kuteng, they have 1,125 points, while Lager has 1,105 <laughs> and then 1,100 points. So it's like they all are within 25 yeah. points there. Kuteng. Uh, Lost the gap after today's race. Um, and uh, yeah, 
It's um, it's not often really interesting to see the development in the pro teams because it can be some huge gaps, but the uh, top three there are, uh, will be an interesting... Um, yeah, it will be interesting to, to see the, the outcome of uh, that competition. And then right behind these three uh, pro teams, we have Team Ramudden, Russian winter, winter team. Those two teams have performed really well. Then Edsystem Bauer team and you guys, Team Gaffebrukerien. You could be so much higher if you had that girl, correct? Yeah, we, um, we have to... Uh, yeah, we are not uh, good with girls. We have to... Uh, we have to train a little bit less and try to uh, to to say hi to more uh, good female athletes, I guess. Indeed, you need to find one. Uh, but that's the standings and the uh, the results of the today's race. Next, we'll talk about Ski Classics ranking. So, Vedle, what's your thought on the new Visma Ski Classics ranking list? Uh, it's quite hard to uh, to understand it at first, but um, yeah, and now it has become quite fun to to look at it and see the 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 changes. Uh, even though you um, yeah you are racing faster than another skier, he can um, uh, pass you on the ranking. So um, and it's gender equal. Yeah, yeah. I. Um, I don't know uh, how much I am uh, competing or f- feel myself that I'm competing with the, the girls there, but um, uh, if I'm getting close to um, to the to the top uh, five there, I am um, I'm starting to uh, yeah starting to uh, watch out for the for the ladies and hope that. Uh, they're not getting that much <laughs> ranking points. So uh, each uh, skier uh, can have his or her best 20 races within 24 months, uh, and uh, they get points. Uh, so the when you win a pro team, uh, a pro tour event, uh, the win- winners get uh, 2 million points, uh, and then uh, the challenger events also count, and we have 27 challengers events, and uh, you get uh, 500,000 points. Uh, from those and then it goes uh, exponentially uh, uh, drops of course and as you said there's a bit about you know calculation that goes goes on over there challengers that's also interesting because you can get points and also you get 50 points if you win a a challenger event you get 50 points towards your championship uh, account so to speak have you done yours by the way yeah I did the Klararvsloppe and was uh, fifth there so I'm I'm okay satisfied with the points that I got from the the, the challengers and um I uh, I don't think that there are any more challengers race uh, suiting or fitting into my schedule until levy so I think I have to be um be happy about uh, my fifth place and uh, try to collect You could have done tomorrow's race skating yeah, but uh I'm, I'm tired <laughs> you need to rest yeah uh, what's uh, your opinion about it? Is it good that we have extended this outside of the pro tour? Um, you know, every every new thing is uh, quite uh, hard to to say what you think about after. I think that I will uh, I will let the the season pass and see how it turns out. 
and um, first of all, I think that uh, it should be should be uh, ski races uh, as a ski classics, and um, then we'll see if uh, if I. It uh, kind of depends on uh, how it works out for me when uh, when the last uh, list in uh, Ilevi are printed out, I guess. But there's so many things are happening, of course, and we always ex expand and extend. And if you want to join us, you can do this. You can join the my pages and find more about how to become part of the family, and you will be ranked as well. Uh, so you can go on on our website bismaskiclassics.com. Uh, and also, if you have any questions, uh, anything for us, please send us an, an email at uh, podcast at skiclassics.com. So once again, podcast at skiclassics.com. We are here to answer your questions. And if you have any questions or requests, you know, to our athletes, you're welcome to send them to us. So it's really been, an, as you said, interesting uh, year so far, in interesting season. And the next race, we'll talk about that. Of course, that is Iselska Paresatka. The next one. In the Czech Republic. It's a little bit of a race in between the Central European, or the, the, this race is the, the Alp Tour that is uh, finished as well, and Scandinavia. But what's your perspective or opinion about the race? Um yeah, we uh, as a Norwegian uh, and a lot of Norwegian are saying that Dizashka is uh, kind of like the the Birkebeiner in uh, in Norway with uh, like the same uphills uh, and the same uh, yeah kind of like the same uh, same kind of race. You have to be fast from the start to the beginning, and uh, I feel that uh, it's often some tricky snow there. And I haven't figured that out yet, so I hope that I will get my first race in Yeseshka with, with really good skis. And there's a long climb there, right at the beginning, the 10, 10k climb, and then another one later on. Yeah, um, I think that uh, for me this year, when I when I got the the, the Yeseshka specialist uh, at the edition into my team, I just uh, have to say... What do you want to do and what do you want me to do? How come he does so well over there? He has won that race three times, I think. Why that particular race for him? Yeah, I don't know really. That's the uh, that's also the only Ski Classics race he has uh, won. So I don't know if he, uh, yeah, he knows uh, for himself as well. But um, I think that it is the... Uh, the uphills and uh, the new uh, or the uphill after the first uphill and then the third uphill and then the fourth uphill that's what makes it Morton's race what's how, how do you like the race i mean if you compare that particular course and the atmosphere and the venue to I, other races um, i have uh, only had bad experiences as uh, as a performer there, but I uh, I hope that I will get my first uh, good experience and uh, uh, I really like the uh, the slopes and um, I think it is uh, is really good uh, for um, for the ski classics to have a race in Czech Republic and I think I feel that uh, it's a really huge race for the for the Czech Republic. 
Is it a tough course? Yeah, it's pretty tough because um, you get the first uphill, as you mentioned, and after that, it you have to work hard. And if you uh, if you're in good shape, like Morten has been, it's really fun to race there. But if you uh, are not having the best day, it's it's really tough. So uh, yeah, it's like. Uh, a race for the for the tough ones and after that race you'll have the much deserved break and then Vasalopet. oh can't wait <laughs> what are you gonna do before Vasalopet? i'm gonna train pretty much uh have um not too much of uh high intensity training sessions but uh yeah a good uh, good amount of training that's pretty much what i think what i'm thinking now but um i have to like i said earlier i have to recollect and yeah put it down on paper on monday indeed jeseska baresatka is the next uh, event uh, in season x our anniversary 10th anniversary season and women will start at 8:50 so 8:50 uh, Central European time, uh, followed by uh, the men at 9 o'clock. So it'll be an early start for you guys again. And the day is Sunday, February 9th. And you said, as you said, it's an interesting race, a, bit, a little bit of a, like Birkebeinerrennet uh, for you guys. And uh, then before we wrap up, when you kind of look back now, we're halfway through the season, there's still the Scandinavian races left. Uh, what's sort of Vetletulis? Not just take on the season and skiing, but kind of the the life. What have you learned from this season and the seasons before? What is Vetletulis common? I mean, motto of life. Um, after the um, after the last uh, years uh, with uh, yeah, working with the team and myself as an athlete, I I learned that. Uh, you have to work really hard all the time. Work hard all the time and the success will come. Yeah. And the podium will come for you. I know that for a fact. Thank you very much, Vetletuli, Team Kapebruggeriet. And the next one is, indeed, Jiserska Baresatka, your teammate, Modede Pedersen, has performed so well there. Maybe he will continue that trend. That remains to be seen. Thank you very much. Thank you all for joining us. And stick around. Next Sunday is another thrilling day. <laughs>